No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Hey, everyone. Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Welcome back, No Simple Road family. We're glad you're back. We're glad you came and wanted to listen to us again. We're really humbled by the response of everybody and the outpouring of love that we've gotten, the comments and the reviews and everything. It really is cool when you start doing something and you get positive response back and you were just kind of doing it for fun and then you find out that people are digging it and enjoying it. It's a really cool thing to to experience. I wanted to start this episode by saying thank you to all of you guys. You've been amazing. A little business. If you want to help us out, you can head over to nosimpleroad.com. And down there at the bottom of the page, there's a link through to Amazon. That Amazon link, if you're going to buy something on Amazon and you go through that, Amazon will kick down a little portion of whatever you spend to us to help us out. Uh, It's a really, really cool thing. It doesn't cost you anything and it helps the podcast out. And then also, if you want to take it a step further, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash no simple road. 
and there's a campaign there and that campaign lets you give anywhere from a dollar on up and there's different tiers each tier will give you different rewards there's some cool things in there uh, there's i'll do a digital drawing for you or um you know you get stickers and coffee mugs and whatnot i think one of them will even let you pick a show topic so yeah that's at uh, patreon.com forward slash no simple road uh, another thing I wanted to say, too, has kind of been on my mind is the subject of this podcast is psychedelics. And obviously it's a controversial subject. And it's something that, that I don't take lightly and nobody here at No Simple Road takes lightly is doing that. We don't do it with abandon and with no forethought or intention behind what we do. All of what we do is is intentional and there's a reason behind it. I don't want to see anybody out there doing shit just because they heard us do it. That's that's not cool. So if you're going to do these things, do it responsibly. Do it because you want to do it, not because you heard us do it and you think it's the right thing to do. You know, you have to be responsible for yourself out there and you have to do what's right. Your mind is fragile. And I'm going to tell you guys, there's no fucking free lunch in this world. There is give and take when it comes to this shit. The psychedelics are going to take something for what you get. And so if you personally decide that that price is okay with you and you're okay to give it up, then by all means have at it. But otherwise, you know, it's like watching Jackass and seeing them get shot into the air inside of a porta potty. You're not going to go do that just because you saw some dude on TV do it. So don't fucking do psychedelics just because you heard us talking about it. Do it because you're called. Because these technologies and these medicines and these drugs and these things, these substances have called you and you feel like there's something for you there, then, you know, by all means. Otherwise, take it easy, man, and listen to the stories. You know, it's just it's just our no simple road. So that's that. I wanted to let you guys in on a little something. Um, I guess it's not really little. It's actually kind of big. Uh, if you listened to the last episode where we interviewed Melanie, uh, you heard a little bit of my backstory, a little more of my backstory about my past and my struggle with heroin addiction and whatnot. You know, one of the prices I paid because of that addiction was contracting hepatitis C. I've had it for the past 20 years. And, you know, when I first found out, it was a, a really heavy thing. You know, at, at that time, 20 years ago, Basically, the doctors were like, you need to get on treatment right away. You're going to you're going to die. The treatments were basically like chemotherapy, like your hair would fall out and you get these awful fucking sores in your mouth. And it was just horrifying. And luckily, uh, I saw a doctor at UCLA back then. And he said, look, there's some medicine coming down the pipe in 10 to 15 years. That's a lot easier. That has a better efficacy rate. And you should just wait it out. You'll probably end up dying from something else. So, you know, don't worry about it. So fast forward 20 years later, here I am in Oregon, and uh, I got on this medicine recently, within the past four weeks. Uh, medicine's called Harvoni. So the old stuff was like 20% effective, you know, 80% chance it wasn't going to work. And in my book, man, those are shitty fucking odds. Like, I'm not gambling at that table because you're going to lose. So this stuff that just came out is 99% effective. So it sounds like a safe bet to me. So I went for it, man. And shit is outrageously expensive. Big Pharma, you can kiss my fucking ass. That's all I got to say. You know, the shit is $1,332 a pill. If I didn't have insurance, I would be doomed to have fucking hepatitis C for the rest of my life. Thankfully, through my job, I have insurance and it cost me 10 bucks, which is awesome. But anyway, that's another story. So I got on this medicine, man. And, you know, me... I, I'm thinking, you know, I don't trust big pharma, you know, I, but I don't want to live with this disease and this is 99% effective and they're going to pay for it. So I'm going to go for it. I really didn't want anything to affect. This is strange, but I didn't want anything to affect my vibration and also my momentum, man. Like, you know, I've been changed my life. I'm, I'm eating better. I'm exercising more. I'm more awake and more alert and feeling great and now this thing comes into my life that is gonna possibly has the potential to throw a monkey wrench into all this momentum that I have you know 
I'm a fan of the uh, Dark Tower series by Stephen King, and and in that series, the the main character is this guy Roland, and Roland comes from this lineage of this mythical land called Gilead, and Gilead is the home of the White, and they fight the forces of the the Red King and all this stuff, and. The company that happens to make this particular medicine is called Gilead. And I was like, well, fuck, that's the universe telling me that the white is coming to heal my hepatitis C. So I went for it. And I, I'll be honest with you guys, man. I pretty much feel like shit. Um, not to where, you know, doubled over and, you know, throwing up. and But my vibration is off. I can feel it. I can feel whatever area that this disease held in my body is being taken over by something else. This black pustule root that has found its way down into the depths of my liver is being ripped out and excised. And in its place is some really beautiful stuff that's happening. I feel lighter. I feel more aware. I feel my energy growing. I feel my awareness growing. I feel my scope increasing. But at the same time, there's balance in everything. And I feel awful physically. I'm super tired. My muscles hurt. It's hard to think. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm not letting that win. I'm pushing through it. And I'm going to see this thing through to the end. And I, I bring all this up. This doesn't really have to do with today's podcast, but it has to do with the scope of what we're doing here at No Simple Road. Not only are we talking about, um, you know, experiences with the Grateful Dead and psychedelics and whatnot, but we're also here being real about our lives. And hopefully, you know, if there's somebody out there that's listening, that's struggling with whatever their thing is, they can hear that there's, you know, want somebody else out here that's going through their own shit and glean some kind of encouragement through that and if we can do that by doing a simple podcast by me sitting out here on the porch and talking into a monitor well fucking great i you know i'm all for it so i just want to be real with you guys man and also i'm not going to let this thing end anything i'm this just being on medicine that you know it's eight weeks i got to deal with this and that in the grand scheme of things in the ocean of time this is like a a drop in the ocean of time that is my life and I'm not gonna let it steal my momentum man or take away any of my creativity i'm i am greater than the sum of that thing's parts so i'm gonna dig down into it i'm gonna look at it for what it is i'm gonna you know release myself into this discomfort that I feel and embrace it and try and learn from it. Because I think in all of our lives, when we have disease or we have difficulty or we have struggle, there's always this beautiful gem like at the bottom of the mine shaft of the discomfort where we get this gem at the end of it. And that thing is beautiful. And it's a lesson that helps us move on with the rest of our life. And it's like, a, you know, a, a piece in the breastplate that protects us from now on so yeah I, i'm not gonna hide from it i want all you guys to know what's going on with me and if i sound off today that's that's what's going on um so yeah that's the business and my personal stuff out there even more for you guys so today's episode is a really cool interview uh it's an episode with Somebody that's really special to me, Tanner Polednik. He's a musician out of Southern California. I've watched this guy grow up. I've seen him transform from an awkward boy in high school into a man that's finding his way and a musician and an artist and a creator. And it's been a beautiful uh, thing to watch. It's been a really neat journey from my perspective to be able to see him uh, transform this, you know, into this wonderful person that he is. I actually had the honor of taking him to his first Grateful Dead show, and we went to our first fish shows together. And he's just a really awesome kid. I know you guys are going to enjoy this. In the episode, you're going to hear a couple of mistakes. I'll just give you a heads up now. We're, at the beginning, I say it's episode three. It's not three, it's four, but whatever. It, you know, we're stoners, and that happens. And then also, um, he also says his uh, album is coming out in August. And here we are in August and the album isn't out yet. Again, uh, 
you know, it's coming out in September and you can find him on SoundCloud. And uh, we're going to put a link up to his his page on the show website at nosimpleroad.com. So when you hear him say August, just think September in your head. Just and but do it in like really bad Chinese subtitles where you see his lips moving, but you hear something else. So every time you hear August, just paste in the word September in your head in like kung fu movie dub over. Okay. Can you guys will do that for me? That would be awesome. So, yeah, this is me rambling. And, um, oh, yeah, today's episode is brought to you by uh, the Dabblers, the Misfits, and the Wild Cards out there. All of us together make this wonderful, weird, funky, trippy tribe. And without them, we wouldn't be here. So salute to all you fucking freaks and weirdos out there. We love you. So without further ado... Here is Tanner James Poletnik. Tanner, you and I know each other through my daughter. Um, you guys dated for a long time, and um, we got to know each other. And I'll be honest, man, when I when I first met you, like you were this like straight laced looking kid with suspenders and a button up shirt and pegged jeans and really short hair and I thought okay whatever I'm glad that that's the kid my daughter's dating like I did never think that you would turn out the way you turned out and, and how did I turn out I you're turning out my friend <laughs> you I don't think it's done but you've you've grown a lot since we first met you've um I think you're finding out who you are and it's cool to see it's cool to like be able to witness somebody else growing up and finding things out on their own yeah you know like um just like being in love with your daughter like it was like a it was a big growing experience for me in general and I think that like uh when I first you know started hanging out with y'all like I I wanted to come off a certain way because, you know, you're my, you were my girlfriend's uh, parents. So, like, I think maybe sometimes I would, you know, tone it up a bit with the, with the suspenders and shit. Not that I wasn't in, <laughs> into that because um, I totally was. And I look back now and it's like, wow. I, I You know, you see images of, of people that are associated with you that look like you and sometimes you try to be those things and um i'm i've i've always put myself in a bunch of different characters um that was one thing that was one thing i noticed with you like every time we would see you it was like you were the same person but it was like you in costume yeah every time we saw you it was like a different person well it it was cool to see you know i'm i was an actor or I, i am an actor but i I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. Like, the reason I, I wasn't so successful about it is because you have to drop the the character, um, and I, I don't. That, that's not what was fun about um, being an actor for me. I, I liked I liked using the practices that we did to to build my own character and 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 be able to live different realities so you kind of like took that thing and like integrated it into who you were and yeah. then when it was over you would you're supposed to like drop that but you want to take it and make it a party yeah so, that, that's really cool so i think back to you know i guess it was 2014 around then and me and melanie and apple had started going to see further and we'd seen rat dog a couple of times and we had just found out that you and sydney were smoking pot yeah and uh, which i mean as a dad like she's old enough at that point and you guys were not crazy kids it's just funny because like i remember the first time ever smoking with with sydney um we had gone to go hang out with you and um Melanie and um, and your friend Sarah oh, at, yeah. at, at her house after and I was like really tripping out because I was really paranoid that you would know <laughs> but y'all were sneaking around behind us and smoking in the garage and I, 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 like you were no. talking about it and I just heard that you were talking about weed and I'm like oh shoot they know uh-huh. <laughs> 
We had no idea until <laughs> until you guys like came clean. We had no clue, and which is funny because I can usually spot it a mile away. But with you guys, like you just seem like this straight laced kid. So and Sydney was such a. Uh, you know that just wasn't her bag i didn't think and yeah and but but when i did find out that you guys were doing that she was very when when i started because like she had done it a few times before but she wasn't into it and i had started and i think having parents that smoked weed really didn't it made her not want to she you know you don't want to be like your folks you know oh yeah as like a protest so like (laughs) she didn't want to at first because it was like you know like oh i don't want to be like like my dad like my deadhead dad yeah (laughs) silly so so when we found out that you guys were doing it and and i just my first my, my, my deadhead dad is, a, is yeah. a show that i'm working on right now and uh it's, it's in production it's in oh right on pre-production am i gonna star in it well i just conceived the <laughs> idea right now, so. so i my first instinct was like i i gotta take these kids to a show because you guys were totally into music and me being me and the way I am, I just, I was like, oh my God, I got to share this with these, with these kids. And I remember, so we went, um, our first show with you guys was to see Rat Dog at the Palms in Vegas, right? And I was so excited that night. Like, I remember going uh, to the to the hotel and we got a hotel room that night. Ryder, you were there, right? Yeah, and that was my first show too. Yeah. And... Um, we got this really wonderful hotel room, beautiful Vegas style, like super clean lines and chrome and like the walls are all pretty. And I, I scored us some really, really clean MDMA that night. And which I had never taken anything like that until that night. Well, I guess, I guess you guys, if you're going to do it, like, I, I guess it's good to be with somebody that has done it before sure. and you guys are safe. I mean, and my I'm folks gonna... told me that same thing about wine, so I don't see why it wouldn't be the same. I, personally, I think MDMA is better for you than wine, but, you know, that's just me. Um, and I remember being really nervous, like, first of all, getting over the hang up of, okay, I'm going to be doing MDMA with my kid and my kid's boyfriend and my nephew, like, okay, that's a whole hang up as a dad in my head in the first place. But then like even more excitement for me and nervousness was, are you guys going to enjoy yourselves? Are you going to get it the way that, you know, a deadhead dad thinks that he wants people to get the music and so i remember that night that particular show we had we had taken our our molly and we had gone into the show and me and apple and melanie had like a a vip box up at the top overlooking the stage and you guys all wanted to go down on the floor which okay i understand we're older we want to chill out you guys want to go dance and starting to come on and everything's starting to get kind of liquid and weird and the show hasn't started yet and I could see backstage and I see all the um like stagehands back there like communing with each other I'm like what it had been 20 30 minutes past when the show was supposed to start and you could feel the energy in the room was weird right you guys like yeah it felt odd like something was off and you could see the people behind the stage and I I remember I'm looking back there and I thought to myself oh my god they're not gonna play like wasn't somebody sick that night yeah yeah so then somebody comes out on the stage and he's he grabs the microphone he's like hey you guys I hate to tell you this but Bobby's not feeling his best tonight and at that point like even before the the announcement finished my heart was just (laughs) broken like I had built this thing up to be this wonderful night and I'm like ushering my daughter and her boyfriend and my nephew into the family and like this whole thing is going to happen and we're all rolling and it's fun and then all of a sudden like somebody just flew over and took a giant shit all over the night but the thing is i don't think we saw it like that it was our first show Mm -hmm. so it's like 
Like, yeah, if nothing would have happened, it's like, oh, great, some other guy we don't know is playing. (laughs) It would have just been nothing, whatever, yeah. yeah. And then we would have done it another Well, and it turned into... So so he finishes, he's, he's still up there on stage, he's like, yeah, Bobby's not feeling his best tonight, but... Rat Dog's gonna play for you guys, and we're gonna give you all your money back for your tickets. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, and I gotta say that night, Jay Lane really brought it home, man. He sung all the vocals that night, and shout out to you, Jay. That was fucking awesome, man. And so, okay, so now like that anxiety of it's not gonna happen has now gone away, and I'm like, oh fuck. I've never been to this kind of show before now. Like, this is something completely out of the ordinary, what's going on. Like, the, the guy that usually drives the train is backstage somewhere not feeling well. And here we go. And I just, I want to hear from, from you, Tanner. Like, what did you think when it started? And, like, what was going on? What was going through your head? You know, like, Rad Dog was, like, I think... Th- that that experience specifically was a little different um, than probably like the you know the moment where it clicks and you're like oh this is a this is a cool scene I like I like jamming over here because like Sid and I went down to the uh, to the floor and um, I I still have not been on the floor since that show but I don't know I I think since we didn't know the music they were playing you know like I knew a few of like the dead hits but you know like they they played. You know what? They did do a lot of dead show, dead songs, though. It was all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because because everybody was bummed out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I that that experience I don't think was like I, that. That just felt like going to see a show, and it was a good show, and uh, like it was fun, and you know we were on MDMA, so it was it, we danced a lot, and it was it was all good like that. But it was it, for me. I feel like it was more just like you know, hanging out with y'all as like a, as a family. Um, yeah, it was really beautiful. We hadn't really like, like we, we'd hung out at your house. We hadn't gone there together. Yeah, sure. I don't even think we'd gone to like the drum circle or anything like that at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so you and I have been to, let's see, we've been to the rat dog show together. We've been to soldier field. You came to fairly well with us. Um, you and me and Apple went and saw Fish and then in LA. Saw Dead and Company Thanksgiving at the Luxor. At so the, oh, you were you were at that show? Yeah, so four shows. Oh wow! Yeah, right on. Dead and Company at Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, which I think is awesome because you hopped the fence to get into that show, yeah. and I did. That's that's close to my heart because we used to pull shit like that back. I in the will day and, say though that. Okay, this is like, like this is just for the podcast and like. Um, yeah, we won't like, tell anybody. I, I honestly haven't told anybody like about this. Like, yeah, that was like a cool night, and I'll always be like bragging about like how yeah I got into the show and stuff. That night though, that day was like a low for me. Like I, I hit pretty low that day. Well, like, we had talked earlier that day, and you weren't doing, or maybe the day before. It was the day before. You weren't doing so hot. Yeah, like I, um, I, I got to the show. I was just gonna hang out around the shakedown. I wasn't really planning on getting in at all because I was sort of feeling down anyway. I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna get in, whatever. And like I, I got, I got pretty drunk that that day. Um, like I went, <laughs> I went to the store and got this can of juice spelled J O O S. You know, it's going to be good. <laughs> and it was just like, I spent like five bucks on it and then it ruined my night because I lost my keys. Like, like I was like drunk and then I like lost my keys and I ended up spending more on getting more keys than I would have on a ticket to like properly <laughs> oh God. gone in. And so, yeah, like I, it, it gives and it takes. Um, and I had a good time at that show, but like it definitely was like a, a, a slap in the face too, at the same time. So I think back to like um, that rat dog show that we were at, and I remember that's why you don't get drunk. Like, yeah, like, don't. <laughs> there's other, there's cooler, there's things better to things do. to do. I mean, I get it. If that's your thing, go for it, brother. But for me, I, I, it's not my thing. I can't. I I get too low. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's not the time of the place as far as I'm concerned, yeah. but everybody's different and we all do our trip different and however you want to do it, it's cool, man. But I think back to the rat dog show and rolling really hard and I'm standing up in this, this VIP booth and you guys had all taken off and gone down to the floor and, I, and I'm up there and like, 
as a dad, I'm, I, I'm trying to like separate these two worlds inside my head. Like the, the responsible father part of me and the fucking deadhead of me that just wants to turn everybody on. And, and I finally, okay. I'm like, dad, you need to fucking go. You, the two. you need to go home right now. Cause we're having a, a good time. And I remember looking down at the floor and, and, uh, they were doing dear prudence and my daughter, Sydney, I look down and in the middle of Dear Prudence, I see Sydney look up at me from the floor and smile as she's dancing. And I was like, oh, oh dude, it gives me chills thinking about it. I, I see my daughter down there dancing to Dear Prudence in the middle of this rat dog show. I was like, wow, she's fucking my daughter's getting it. Like I'm I'm passing it down through the bloodline like this is really cool. And then and I, I was standing right there next to you. And it's one of the one of the proud <laughs> deadhead moments that I've seen my brother have. <laughs> he was teared up, looked oh. at me looking down at them and they were just going away it was cool because we didn't really think about it it was (laughs) like for us it was just like you know just like this is cool we're just having fun I think it it wasn't until the next show that like it was like it felt like we were Soldier Field yeah we were living it that was an experience man that I've been to a lot of shows and I to this day I've never felt anything like that 75,000 people doing that thing yeah there's really something that that happened there that i I, i've never felt that before and that was like a fucking marathon yeah that because the first night because we didn't know that if it was gonna keep going after that i mean we did but like it was also like this could be it yeah it was ambiguous what was gonna happen like you had to get get it all in while, while it's there and and we you know like good responsible deadheads we had our, our treats for the night planned out, you know, for each night. And, you know, one night we're going to do this, the next night we're going to do this. And and after the first night, I was fucking exhausted, man. I was so tired after that first show. And I just remember the second day thinking to myself, I'm getting old. Like, <laughs> I used to be able to do this for, for years at a time. And now I'm like, oh, shit. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this off tonight. And we didn't even do the Friday show. We did Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Three. <laughs> I remember saying we would have been like, oh, wow. So I, I, think, I think back and I remember the first night we're sitting like at the, I guess it would be the southern end of the stadium from the stage and you were kind of sitting diagonally from me across and I remember you had these these finger bells oh yeah and you were you were dinging the bells yes so like I used to like a lot of this like um it's weird because there's a bunch of stuff that um I think like that was brought up in like the 60s that like all get lumped in the same category and sometimes it's like it's like why does it get lumped in that category? And I feel like like um, like yoga and like Indian stuff and like I don't know all this what like people call hippies and they, they associate it with like all these like far out places. But I don't I, it, it's it's very much I, I see it as like an American thing. But anyway, at the time I was experimenting with like you know, looking into like more traditional ways of life. And I feel like that's something that um, is an attraction in the Grateful Dead, how they lived and stuff like that for people. And um, so, yeah, I had these finger symbols and looking back, I was probably annoying the hell out of a lot of people with them, Um, especially this one guy. He actually said something to us. He was like, man, I came to see the dead. I didn't come to see this kid play finger symbols. Yeah. Man, relax. But, you know, I was I was stripping mushrooms and I think. It's kind of, there, there is some crossover, I'll give it some validity, but I think there's a lot of people that, you know, they'll take psychedelics and they'll be like, oh, well, I'm a spiritual person now, you know, <laughs> like, like, so, like, the, so I get to annoy everybody at the show. Right. Because I'm fucking. Like, I'm Joe Hippie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I, I listen to like Duncan Trussell Family Hour and Joe Rogan and those other podcasts that deal with psychedelics and stuff. And there's something that's come up lately that really bugs the shit out of me. Like whenever anybody talks about 
the spiritual stuff or like the feel good part of psychedelics, they, they say, well, I don't want to be too woo woo. I don't want to get into the woo. Mm -hmm. And that's bullshit, man. Like it's all part of it. And if we do that as a, as a family, like label these, these things that happen to us and, and, um, these experiences that we have with some, it's even, it's a negative derogatory term as far as I'm concerned. Oh, you're just talking about the woo. You're talking about energy and, and light body. And yeah. What, it boxes it in. Yeah. It's like, no man, we have to bring this stuff out into the common lexicon, out into our daily speech, into what we say every day so that it becomes part of who we are so that it's not embarrassing or this doesn't sound silly. And I think we're doing each other a disservice by doing that, by like labeling this, you know, it's the woo, it's bullshit. It's my life. And it's the experiences that I've had. Mm. And I'm, you know, I, I don't, that's my public service announcement for the day. <laughs> Last time it was about talking during the fucking show. So today it's about that. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's I digress. Fingers, finger symbol during the show. Dinging, yeah. <laughs> so I remember you with the, with the symbols. And so that night was really heavy. The first night and the second night, but the first night was heavy. And I remember you and Sydney dancing together, like in that setting, like what was going through your head that night? Uh, dancing at that show was really interesting for me because like I've never been shy to express myself. And um, that's always been true for me, but I haven't always felt like I had total control over it. And that night was really cool because I was dancing to the show and I used to dance a lot and I would have like dance moves, you know, like I'd have my moves and I'd go back to those moves when it was time for me to dance. And like, those were my moves. But that night I, I was dancing, I'm like, wait, but like, I can just move my body in any way just so it can feel good. It doesn't necessarily have to be choreography, you know, and I can just explore inside of myself and... That was, that was a really big revelation for me, and I, I, I try to bring that to any type of show that I go to, um, you know, like when I go see shows at my school or if I'm at like, you know, like a punk show or something like that. Just sort of feeling like everybody's a, an, an electron or, or a neutron, you know, I'll just sort of bounce around the room together and, and, and different people and different combinations have different chemistry together and just sort of exploring that um, in a crowd I've noticed I've noticed it shows dancing at least with me the people that are around me affect the way that I dance not not um not how I'm moving because my god I do, I don't have moves I never had moves I never danced like that wasn't my thing I was super my body was secondary to me I felt not at home in my own skin and so dancing was like this alien thing in the first place right and then so i had no moves but the people around me affect how i'm maneuvering my way through the yeah. space and and also i i don't know if you've had this experience but myself and i would think a lot of the people out there listening like you have this feeling of the more that, it, that you give, the more it'll take. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you're pushing this thing out and then the music is rising to meet what's you. The, what's the lyric? I just said it. The but, more you but, give, there's rising. a thin line beyond which you really can't think. Yeah. So yeah, it, there, there is that thing, that push and pull that happens. Like I remember Ryder, you and I were up in the balcony at Rat Dog and <laughs> you, you're funny, man, because you came to me, I think at set break, and you were like, I don't feel anything. Yeah. This didn't do shit. Yeah. You, you give me one, and it'd probably been an hour, and I didn't feel anything at all. And and you're like, okay, here, take this other one. I was like, fine, whatever, and I took it. And Being maybe, a responsible uncle, that's yeah. what you do. And maybe 20 minutes later, not even, probably 15, it hits me, and I was like, oh, that's it. And you were like, no, that was the first one. Oh, wait, I have to say something. Okay, go for it. All drug use discussed on the podcast is purely for educational or entertainment purposes only. No actual drugs were consumed while making the podcast, either before or after. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, 
So, uh, yeah, you, you gave me the second one, the second one, and it hits me too quickly, and you told me that it was, that that was the first one hitting, and I was like, okay, and I, I started taking off, and I was like, oh, this is a lot, and then I felt the other one hit me, like a, a tidal wave, like the whole thing at once, and I was like, oh, like I couldn't stand up for a minute, and then I... I got and together. you you start. I remember looking over and you were you were kind of dancing next to me and I was like Ryder. I, I got in your ear and I was like, Hey man, dance harder. The music will go with you. And you started fucking jamming and the music started jamming and I was like, Yeah, this is fucking great. That was yep. That was the first time I ever felt that. That was. Yeah, it almost feels like you have control over uh-huh. the, the kind of experience, and like I feel like that's one thing that's great about these bands is that it's very determinant of who's watching them, and yeah. the audience, and it's not just all about the band. Cool. I remember when we saw that fish show, and, and it was that, that Butch fellow that really took brotherhood to you two. What? <laughs> I don't remember she this. There with her girl. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 her, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it was her first fish show. She's, like, yelling out, like, I'm a millennial fish fan. I'm I love fan. you, fish. Yeah, so, yeah. like, they're doing this thing where they, they're they playing, they're jamming, jam, and then they stop. And then they're jamming, 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 and they stop. And then at one of these stops, she just goes, I fucking love you, fish. And then they just stop. Everybody stops playing. And then the cra- the whole crowd goes, yeah. It was like the wave. Like, <laughs> like when people stand up at a football game, it was like that, but with cheering. Yeah. <laughs> All around the... the LA Forum, and, and then the, it seemed like the band took the spotlight. Like they were part of the band yeah, for stop. that second. Well, they just were totally on board with them. You know? Yeah. Yep. The band stopped. You could see Trey, and like <laughs> they looked up right at us where she was sitting. That was hilarious. Yeah. And they went back. To I me. love that though. She she was calling you brother and stuff like that. She was like, "That this is my first fish show. I fucking love today. you guys. Yeah. This is my first fish show. High five! I never in my life have gotten high five so much in my life. And if you're out they're listening right now you are awesome i remember you to this day we love you yeah yeah tell us more about the fish show then because that was something we did together and you took off on your own for a while i remember when when you left yeah because i had different seats apple yeah apple was like is he gonna be all right by himself because we had eaten some mushrooms that night Mm -hmm. allegedly and um I was like, freaking Tanner's good, man. Tanner knows how to handle this shit. He's in, he's in good hands. So what happened? You took off. You had different seats. Yeah, I mean, I honestly just, I came up, hung out with y'all afterward because, like, I went, I went, walked around. I, like, took, I love taking a stroll during one of these shows. so fun. Because, like, there's, there's always good stuff happening around where you are, but then you go walk around and it's like a theme park, you know? You know totally. Check out what other people are doing and... Um, I did that, and then I just came back and hung out because I, I met. It's cool because you, you'll meet a lot of people that you wouldn't usually talk to if you were just at the laundromat or something like that, <laughs> you know. But you like, there's a lot of unexpected, um, like deadheads out there. And <laughs> Isn't it funny how like sometimes you'll you'll be at a show and there's like the guy that you just would never think totally, and then. It's funny too. Apple Lots of and, teachers. Yeah, <laughs> Apple and I were talking about this yesterday. Like, there's this thing like when you you claim your space at a show, and then people come and sit around you. And sometimes like people are really wasted, like drunk, yeah. drunk, drunk, and they're they're slurring and like slapping you on the back. And it's like, for me, I I, I can't handle that shit. It's like, come on, man, just chill out. Let's just watch the show. And then as soon as the show starts. Everybody's like the coolest person you ever met in your life. (laughs) I always have this moment at shows, um, in any show really, where I'm really enjoying the performer and I'm really enjoying the the performance. And then I start to look around and I look up first and you just sort of look at the rafters of, of, of this venue and you just see all the energy that's being contained inside of this space. Then you start to look around at all the people watching the show and you sort of forget when you're watching a show that there's all these other people there experiencing it with you. You're sort of having this intimate, like, thing with the band, but then you look around and there's all these people. And having I really this like intimate thing with the band. You can, uh, you can, like, go around and you can really taste people. Like, you can yeah. experience people for, for just 
while you're dancing with them at the show. And, uh, and But the thing is, there's always that, like, that breaking point, you know, like, people don't know if they're allowed to, uh, you know, take their coat off and, and have a good time with everybody, yeah. you know, they still have that that sort of like, all right, um, I, I paid to see the show and we're going to have the fun now. And then people get sort of in this, like, there's a wall between themselves and everybody else. And then at one point I feel like it's the band's job to break down that wall. And wow. everybody looks around and it's like, oh wow, like we're all here together and, and we can all experience this together. Wow. And actually talk to each other. I love that. I love how people are so cool with just having real interactions. But like even the set breaks. Yeah. The set breaks are my are like have quickly become my favorite part of it. I used to dread set break because I wasn't comfortable in my own skin completely and then now I'm high so I'm exposed and now I gotta talk to strangers. Like it was off like it scared the shit out of me. But now as I'm getting older and I'm more comfortable with myself and I'm I, I know a little bit more how to navigate through that world. Like I look forward to the set break now because all those people that I experienced this whole thing in the first set with now I get to meet all these people that have been affecting my groove all night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's cool because you all have something to talk about. You've all been witnessing this cool show. So if you like something in specific, then, you know, you have grounds to make a conversation off of. Yeah, and from an older guy's perspective, like when we were at Shoreline, these two kids, I call them kids, they're in their 20s. These two kids came and sat next to us, and um, Ethan and Lindsay... And they were so cool. They were so, like, on the bus and young millennial kids and super respectful of us. Like, when they came to come sit down, they were, hey, is it cool if we sit here with you guys? Like, fuck yeah, come on, you know, join the party. And we ended up hanging out with them all night. Like, we're still in touch with them today, and they're going to come visit us here in Portland. You know, and that's just from an interaction during a show yeah so where do you see this kind of stuff moving into because it's still i'll go to a show and it's mostly you know like dads like dad rock (laughs) people call it dad rock yeah but like it's definitely you know i don't feel that energy when i'm there like i don't think of it as like oh it's like a bunch of old people around me well am i your typical dad well i mean no but you, you can pack a stadium full of <laughs> non-typical dads. You right. know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of non-typical dads out there. Right on. But still, like, I, I feel like... One thing that's great about The Dead to me is that it's live music. And I think there's a lot of things today where people will, you know, gather like this for electronic music, but not necessarily people, you know, that are, are playing, like... Even if there's electronic collaborators, maybe they'll be on stage together, but they lots of the time they wrote all the music or they composed all the music beforehand. It's not like they're making it live. It's not like they have certain options where they can, you know, finesse the track more so so people will like jam to it differently in the audience, but they're not in full control. And that's one thing that I really like about the dead is that they have so much control over their their music on stage. So let me make sure I understand what you're saying, because I never thought about it like this. So, it's like you'll see these festivals, and people will play these tracks that pe- get people going, you know, in, in a similar sort of way, and, and let people. So, so like the, the 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 jam band or the dead kind of thing is is reciprocal. It's happening, and the music's changing based on the vibration of the people that are out yeah. there moving. But EDM is providing an experience. Yeah. It's like they've already thought out all of like what. Well, and so you're. It's kind of like going and I say going that, on a roller coaster that's already built. Sure, but I mean, I, I say that, but the DJ does have some control of what's being. It's played. a roller coaster if it was like a modular roller coaster. So you could go on the same roller coaster twice and it not be exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. But the thing is, the for the people on stage aren't. They're they're. Like, you can see a dead show and there's, like, seven performers on stage and they all play a different role. It's not so much like that. Like, it'll be maybe through and, like, they're, they're not... They're, they're, play, they're not playing music together necessarily. Like, yeah. they're, they're, like you said, providing music. Wow. That's... And, and what I would like to see is, like, you know, electronic performers that, like, can 
you know, still make well, these cool sounds that people love. Look at what Mickey and Billy are doing during Drums in Space. It's it used to be a lot more tribal than yeah. it is now. Now it's getting a lot more electronic. After the last show at Shoreline, this lady was like, do they always do that electronic <laughs> music halfway through the show? I guess it was her first show or something. And, and I was like, yeah, that's drums in space. And she was like, I don't like that. <laughs> Whatever, it's cool, but it's getting a lot more. Well, that was actually the thing, because I've you know, delved into electronic music a bit, and that was like seeing drums in space because I, I, I come from like a folk background and, and I, I like the dead a lot for that because they, they play a lot of songs that I knew before ever listening to the dead and um, when I first heard them do uh, space at, at Soldier Field I think that was really like oh cool like like all these old people are enjoying this electronic set with me and like like we're all we all have common ground while we're because yeah. <laughs> you know, I've heard these sounds around but it's it's even though it wasn't something that I was, you know, making myself. So it's bridging, bridging a gap between generations, between the generations musically. Well, and it's turning on a bunch of kids. I, I, I could, because you said when you went to Soldier Field, so just in the time between Fairly Well and now, my experience, maybe yours is different from what you saw at Hollywood Bowl, in this last 2017 summer tour, right? At Fare Thee Well, there was a lot of older folks there, right? Yeah. A lot of, everybody was around my age-ish. At this last tour, it was 50-50. There was a lot of millennial kids at these shows that are turned on and going for the gusto. Like, these kids are our family. It's just, I, I feel like at one point, the Grateful Dead was like the epicenter. Of, Absolutely. of this kind of thing. And I just, I think even though lots of like younger people are, are getting turned on to them, I don't think that they hold, you know, they don't necessarily hold the scepter at this point. Mm-hmm. And I wish that bands that could, you know, I'm, there, there are bands, you know, Fish does cool stuff. And, and I, I just don't think that, I, I would like to see more people play live music like they do. Right. Well, I think that's what they're doing, honestly, because more kids, like kids is where popular music is at. Mm-hmm. People our age and a little older and a little younger, that's where the popular music window, and they're getting a lot of kids. Well, and this, I don't think the dead... I know for a fact the dead never were trying to be popular. No, no, no. <clears throat> that, Excuse I, me. It's just more people are realizing <clears throat> how great it is. So, so as a as an artist, Tanner, and as a musician, do you feel like these experiences that you've had at these shows have transformed the way that you perform and and operate in Definitely. your musical space? Definitely. Yeah. Um, same thing that I was talking about. Um, with the dancing where like I used to have a bunch of moves I used to have I still have a bunch of songs but I don't I try not to uh, have it just as a as a moment captured in time and anytime I play a song I'll play it or differently or, or I'll try to blend my songs together or you know just not not even thinking about the song in between and, and, and just exploring the musical where you're at that you, yeah that you've presented. I'm I'm stoked that I got to be a part of of that with you. Yeah, like totally. it, it's a as an older guy like it's it's an honor to to be able to to pass it on like that especially to people that you you have a connection with and then even deeper than that people that you love. When you when I share something like that with somebody it's to me, one of the most personal things that I can do is to share that part of myself with somebody else. Because, like, that's not something that I get to do every day in my daily life at work. Everybody knows I'm the deadhead guy at work. But they're not, they don't know what that even means. To them, yeah. they're where I was before I went to a show. It's trucking and Casey Jones and Touch of Grey. Yeah, it's a big thing. I feel like... There's this archetype of, like, the deadhead guy. And I feel like that people see that as as such a... It's a negative character, you know? You think so? To the masses. 
Okay. All right. <laughs> like people see this smelly dead like people dude. Yeah, deadbeat hippie dude. And people can't just enjoy the Grateful Dead's music without, you know, being associated I with that. I don't want to be associated with homeless people. Homeless people. <laughs> That's what yeah, like Okay. You know the the kids down on Hawthorne? They live out of the bus, selling the little jewelry it, thing. Yeah. That's what most people I know think when they think of deadheads. Yeah, yeah. It, but like I said, like for me, that part of myself, those people that I see and interact with every day don't know me. The I I can I talk about it freely. Everybody knows what I'm up to. Like mm-hmm. it's no secret. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not in the closet at all at my job, which I wonder how that affects things, but that's, that's a whole different story. They don't, they don't know me, you know what I mean? And so when I do get to share that with someone, it means, at least for me, it means that I trust them, that I care about them and that I love them. And you've shared a secret that just reminded me what I was going to say a minute ago. I've always had a lot of love for Tanner ever since he's been in your daughter's life and stuff. We've always had a good time, but after going, especially to fish together, me, you and him, we even took pictures before and after the show and the night we had that night, it was, it's like going to a dead show, like these two being the one now, the, they they now know as younger people, they're, they're in on the secret, kind of. We kind of have it that we shared something sacred with them. Secret, sacred, you know, and, and now and we've had a different relation, you know, it's, it's more open. Yeah. And same with Ryder, since Ryder, known Ryder since he's a little kid, watch him grow up and he goes to the shows and like them saying their their generation sees deadheads as like kind of dirty hippie, which a lot are and stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now they've seen it. Now they've kind of got to come and experience it and realize. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Dead Company's doing too, with all these millennials coming on board. A lot of people knock them for, you know, the John Mayer, the college-looking kids and stuff. They said but the same thing the, with Touch of Grey. Yeah, that's the future. And it's really cool to be sharing the future with these two kids, <laughs> yeah. even though they're not like sitting here like, with us. And I just wanted to say that. three solid generations of Grateful Dead fans. Like, and you, you said to me the other night, you, you were like, what like if they... Pod, <laughs> What if they never stop? And fuck, I hope they never do. You know, I hope it after Bobby, Mickey, and Billy are done and tired of doing it. I hope they pass the torch yeah, on. Yeah, like uh-huh. <laughs> Tanner's like, I'm ready. Yeah. Give me a call. My make Instagram it, is boom. Here it is. Make it like a a, a line of succession. I, I think it it would just be so cool just to have that be a thing mm-hmm. for. Well, I mean, if you think about like royalty. And line of succession, like they are the psychedelic kings that yeah. ruled the psychedelic land for so long, and now they've like what if there was like a dead before the dead that was called a different thing, like Coltrane. Something. I <laughs> <laughs> who taught, who taught them Who's that? Who taught them how to play? They were like a jug band. They they were Jerry and and Bob started. Mother McCree's Uptown Jug Champions, I think is the name of the band. <laughs> really? That's what happens when you take a lot of acid well, and play it. jug band music. You get the Grateful Dead. Yeah, you can hear it. Oh, yeah. I I still say, I used to hear it. I used to hear that country thing in the music. I It doesn't even yeah. sound like that to me anymore. Yeah, I, I listen to a lot of the recordings and I kind of... Because that's what got me into the Grateful Dead, really. That was like my my point of reference because like I I really like some rock and roll but I, I I mostly played folk music throughout my uh you know while I was growing up um and, you know they played uh what are some of the tunes Red Rooster was that was that blues too? Little Red Rooster yeah um well, what's that one that they have um Brown Eyed Woman yeah it was a folk tune and I didn't uh, know that all that stuff with uh with Bob Dylan, I I really liked Bob Dylan. You you made me stop liking Bob Dylan probably when I learned about the Grateful Dead. Like, I don't know. There's just a certain thing that I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> oh no, it's cool. It's like he's whatever. Uh, he, he's like a <laughs> that 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 boy you used to know. Like, 
<laughs> so so Tanner, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. If people wanna, you, you got an album coming out. I have an album coming out. Um, it's it's uh, under the name uh, Deserat. It's like my project right now. D e z a r a t. That's it. And they you can, can find, find it where on SoundCloud. Um, yeah, just look that up. It should be out at the beginning, maybe like mid-August. Um, and, and it's not Grateful Dead-ish music, right? It's more EDM focus? Uh, I wouldn't call it EDM. I make it on a computer, but I wouldn't call it EDM. Um, it's... It's music. It's music. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, please check it out. Um, this was yeah, really fun, man. I'm I'm stoked that, that we got a chance to do this. Like Me it, too. I want to shake your hand, but I don't think that does much for the podcast. No, they can all see it. Yeah. You close your eyes, I you guys. They, 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 we they, just shook hands. Wait, let's do it one more time. Shaking hands. Yeah, Wait, one, two, three. It. it was backwards. They shook the same side hand. Side hand. It counts. That's like side boob, but different, but the same. Sort of. It's all the same. God, this got weird. All right, guys. So yeah, we love all you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new episode out soon, and we'll get some more guests. Again, if you like what we're doing, or if you have criticisms, constructive criticism for us, or ideas. Constructive criticism. Yeah, that too. Um, You know, send them in, and we'll put a link up on the webpage for Tanner's album on SoundCloud. And again, thanks for listening, and spread the love. Have a grateful day. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
Hey listeners, I want to tell you about the April-May 2023 issue of Relics Magazine. It features a Dave Matthews Band cover story with additional articles and interviews with The National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart, and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB. Thanks, Relics. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel... They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.